Howdy, friends. Listen, before we jump in, check this out. We've got some exciting news. As you know, Peter and I work for Bottle Rocket, and we would love for you to join our team. Listen, we're a work-from-wherever company, and we're self-managed vacation. Not to mention, you get to work with great people. Say, for example, Peter and I. It sounds great, right? So if you are ready to do the best work of your life, and join an extraordinary team. Hit the link in the show notes to see our current open positions and apply today. Hey, welcome back to Liftoff by Bottle Rocket. I'm Tony Dosat. And I'm Peter Clayman. Yeah, my voice did crack when I said my last name. Not the first time. Uh, anyway, our guest today is a transformation-driven leader with a focus on all things customer how they make selections, how to reach them, and how to profitably turn transactional relationships into true loyalty. He's also a cool cat. We've had the pleasure of uh, partnering with in the past, so it's it's a real joy to be able to have him on the show. It is Mr. Michael Stutz. Stutz, thank you so much Hello. for joining us. Sounds like somebody found my LinkedIn page. <laughs> I did. He like missed all the best parts. Partner at a consulting firm, senior executive of a Fortune 500 company. Well, but, I have to let you, know. you talk. No, it's that's that's cool. Uh, yeah, I'm glad somebody read it. <laughs> somebody how's, your, how's your voice? How's your voice doing? It's good. It's good. Thank you. Good. <laughs> so we know you're on a new journey now, right? Um, how about we start there? What journey are you on at this exact moment? Uh, I am for the first time in my adult life and probably my whole life on a journey of self-discovery to be as cliche as possible. I'm sure I owe someone some sort of royalty for using a trademark phrase like journey of (laughs) self-discovery. But I have been uh, out of the formal workforce for a little over six months now. I had an awesome stint at my my last company, Bloomin' Brands. where we worked together and uh, handed over the keys to some really talented technologists after I had spent some time getting a a plan together and and getting everything pointed in the right direction. So uh, I made a commitment to myself to take enough time where I felt like I could balance uh, a couple things, what I'm good at, which is important, uh, what I enjoy doing and what somebody else is going to value and that it's going to be positive to the world. And then yes, something that does, you know, make money resources are good things. Uh, so I'm trying to find the intersection of all of that. And it's not easy to do, but I'm, I'm proud of myself for taking time. And I, I'm lucky. I'm fortunate. I'm blessed to be able to do that and really discover some interesting things about myself and about how, um, the job and career choices I've made in the past have impacted me. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what's next. It's a great opportunity. And when, when, when you were talking, I was thinking to myself, um, well, first of all, it's not talked about enough. And I think uh, collectively as a society, we are more and more, and it's becoming more apparent that it's necessary mental health. That is. And, um, and it's from, it's, it's everybody involved. However, because you're here, because you're you, I imagine, now I'm not, I'm not an executive, I've, I've kind of climbed the ladder at my own small pace, but I feel like it might compound the higher up you get 
And here you are coming off a top exec, big old company. Does it compound as you go up? I mean, I mean maybe at least anecdotally for you. Uh, short answer, yes. But it's what I've discovered is that it's not necessarily about a job itself or a career or an industry itself. Mm. There's a there's a combination of forces that go into mental health. It's what you're born with uh, in terms of brain chemistry and just your own physical makeup. It's what you're born into, which is a family situation. They call it family of origin, as I've learned through lots of therapy sessions and in the experiences you have along the way. Uh, for me personally, I was born with a lovely condition where my brain reabsorbs serotonin too fast. Uh, so later in life, Several years ago, I was uh, put onto a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, SSRI. So that took care of some of the um, the irrational thinking and spinning and some of the brain chemistry stuff that can that can make people who suffer from mental health issues, you know, make it a little worse. Mm. But really what what's interesting is how experiences in life formulate how you develop your own sense of self-worth. This is just my experience. Your own, your own uh, definition and how to get self-worth and validation. And then if you're on a path toward uh, success in business, medicine, law, teaching, social work, whatever it is, you may find yourself on a path that achievement is defined by one group of people in one way, but by you a different way. Mm. And it may not be the right fit for you. And that's what happened to me as I've discovered over the past 15 years is I was pushing myself to accelerate my career and become a partner at a big fancy consulting firm. And when I exited that to be in a big corporate executive role, I did that and it was awesome and I have no regrets and I would, you know, I'll, I'll, I would do it again the same way, but there were parts of my personality that weren't fit for some of those roles and weren't, weren't ready for some of the pressures that would come my way. And the rewards that some people value quite a bit for good reason weren't ones that I did. So in the, in the sense that as you get higher and higher in organizations, you might have to bend and contort yourself to fit something that makes you successful at those places, um, that can definitely affect your mental health. And that's what happened to me, I believe, over the course of several years is really having to, to stretch myself and become uncomfortable, become comfortable with the uncomfortable. So that's a, that's a high level esoteric thing that you, I may have lost like half the listeners talking about the short version is you will do yourself no favors unless you're true to yourself and your, um, and what you really want out of life. Uh, you got to take that into consideration when you're thinking about what job you're doing. So this is so interesting because I almost feel like some of this is the intersection of this notion of self-brand like what identity you want to bring to the workplace. And if that identity is consistent with the identity you are at home, right? The broader mm -hmm. the difference between those two individuals, the less likely yeah. you are to be successful because you're balancing multiple personas and that seems super unstable. So yeah. what would you say to someone who is feeling like they're currently in a role that isn't fully representative of their self-identity mm. and they're looking for a way to kind of explore what that is, right? You have the luxury of taking some time off, going through this process. Not everyone necessarily can do that, but what are some of the steps that you have found most impactful 
that might be helpful for somebody regardless of where they're at in their career as they think about what they want to grow into? I'm listening. Listen to yourself. Listen to your body. Listen to your mind. This, you, you can find a lot of similarities between work and career and a long, a, a long exercise, a long workout. Uh, if you're a run, if you're a runner, you go out running, uh, you start to feel your ankle screaming at you. What are you going to do? You're going to stop running. You don't want to damage your ankle. If you are doing a job and you find yourself losing sleep, and I'm talking about myself here. This is examples of, of what happened to me. You're losing sleep. You are unhappy more than you'd like to be, whatever your definition is. You start using forms of medication like alcohol or other chemicals, um, and you start pushing away or behaving differently toward your people. Those are warning signs that something has happened and that you need to address it one way or the other. For me, I, I stayed in the job. And again, I don't, I don't talk badly about management consulting or you know, being a, a corporate executive. Those are both great things and did great things for me. Uh, but I, instead of really evaluating, is this what I need to be doing in my life? I did the first step of let's go to counseling. Let's try some medication. Let's try to set some boundaries. And it worked. It worked really well uh, for a while until in the consulting job, it was, you know, I had to really be honest with myself that it fundamentally my identity didn't match with what was going to be expected of me. Uh, and I found much greater comfort in the corporate executive role. Uh, it fit me much better. I, and, and that was a, a risky, but good step for me. And it was much better for my mental health. So what's the uh, difference yeah. there? Cause mm-hmm. I, I, I'm really, I mean, I'm serious. I'm like really listening here because I felt a lot of these things before. I'm not saying that bottle rocket is the cause of this, right? I'm just saying history, right? So, but for you, the difference in like a corporate gig and a consultative uh, environment, what was it about that if both are listening, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what was it for you that was, you felt more at home you could be more yourself in that corporate environment. It's two things that I want, uh, one that I don't value and one that I do value. Okay. Well, I'll say that I don't value it. I'm a homebody mm. by nature. I like to be at home, which some people would think that's very confusing if they know me because I travel all over the place. And for 10 years I did a job where I travel four days a week and I got very used to it and very effective at it. But by nature, I like to be at home and I always have been. Same. Um, so that's, that obviously does not fit well with the consulting job. And then another thing that I, I've always been anxious about is change. Lots and lots of change happens in the consulting world. Um, different projects, different clients, different industries, different functions, you name it. And then I don't like, uh, blank slates and blank slates were something that caused me great stress and anxiety in school when a new semester would start in a new job where you have no track record and you have to prove yourself uh, in the consulting world that happens every six weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, you start a new project and blank slate. So three things I said too, it's three things that I really, it really caused me great anxiety and stress. And I took a job that those three things are thrown out the window and you have to deal with all kinds of anxiety 
as it relates to all three, if you're like me. On the corporate side, it's the same level of it's high stakes. You're managing people. You're making quick decisions. You're trying to create value. And in my case, at Bloomin' Brands, it was um, you know actual stock price shareholder value. The difference is that you're on one team. Uh, you, you have a consistent level of partnership internally. You have a singular focus on these are our brands. These are the needs. And you're, you're battling with the same folks every day. That meant a lot more to me and, and made my, my anxiety calm down quite a bit. Of course, there are new anxieties that pop up dealing with board members, dealing with fires, dealing with large scale uh, pandemics. I don't know if you guys knew this, but there was this crazy pandemic that happened. It's like, um, I feel like I remember you, something you about it. it. No, you probably, I, that's no, that's different. You haven't heard of that one. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that was that was, that was the, swine. The, that was swine flu. Sorry, murder hornets. Yeah, so uh, murder hornets. <laughs> yeah, of course that that created problems, and restaurant industry is tough. But yeah, so it was it was a little better. You know, we we can always find ways to get anxious. And, well, and in a lot of places culturally, and this is like with relationships in general, it's it's hard to talk about, which I appreciate so much that you are being so candid and open. But especially with higher ups, with management, a lot of companies. It's in relationships, I should say. It's under the rug. Mm-hmm. It's not talked about. It's, I don't want to look weak. I won't get the promotion. I don't want to look like I can't handle it. I won't get the raise. You know, how do you combat that? It's, it seems like it's a got to be built into the culture. Yeah, there's some irony there because the, at work, it's always been forbidden to talk about. And we're getting better about it. That's great. But where in the world else are you visible on a day-to-day basis by a lot of people and you're put into situations that are oftentimes uncomfortable? Where else can I get that sample size of how someone's mood is changing? So right? at, at my uh, management consulting job, uh, a few of us, including myself, raised our hands and said, hey, let's get serious about mental health. And we actually got a budget to go do some research. And we did a survey, a nationwide survey, uh, of just people and ask them if, if you raise your hand and said, I have a mental health issue. I've had one in the past who helped you. People said their inner circle, you know, that was really important to them. And who's, who's in that inner circle. It's friends, it's family, it's coworkers. Same group of people uh, said they didn't help others because they thought it wasn't their place to do so. Mm, right. Okay. That's a problem. We have people who want to be helped, people who want to help, but they both think that they can't do it. And then where's that, most pronounced it's at work. So there's a huge battle that is underway and, and the battle is being won, I, I believe. And it's not, let's, let's take it from a, you know, extreme black and white capitalist standpoint. Oh, my favorite. Most of it all think, yeah. I mean, Peter, you're, you're a hardcore capitalist. You, you love it. People don't normally think of mental health and caring for mental health as being black and white and P and L related. But if you, really mind the mental health of your people and look out for the mental health of your people. You're going to create trust. You're going to address real issues. Ultimately, you're going to drive retention. If you show the outside world that you are mindful of, of mental health and you, and you are going to make that a priority, you're going to attract more people. That has a good impact on your P&L. And then as managers, as, as senior executives, all the way to you know, the whole organization, Let's say you have a, a team member that's struggling 
and you're noticing that they're being inconsistent in their work and they're out of work a lot of days and maybe maybe you see them hung over maybe you see them actually using some chemicals they shouldn't be using at work well rather than saying uh well this guy's really good but or this guy or gal is pretty good but she, but he or she is going through something we got to get rid of them how about getting down to the root of the problem and saying well there's got to be something going on here let's let's help them uh, you may save a really good high value employee that's going to stay on your team and you might save that person's life i was going to say more ways than one right yeah yeah and, and i was I'm kind of kidding about the you know capitalist thing, I'm, but you know we're I'm a I'm a business guy. That's what I do, and uh, it might also improve workforce productivity and get us out of the yep. productivity trap that we're in right now, and help your yes. organization be more prepared for change, which is an inevitable aspect of business. Yeah, and, it's, and I would tell anybody who's listening that has impact on their um, on the culture or the, just the overall operations of of a company or any organization. There's a couple of ways to uh, pretty quickly actually raise the the awareness and, and get a culture on mental health. One is find relevant people throughout the organization that can be leaders. So in in my case at the consulting firm and at Bloom and Brands, I was a, a more senior person and I raised my hand and said, hey, here's my journey. Here's what I believe. I've built trust with you and you can come to me. That's great, but you got to have people throughout the organization that someone would feel comfortable and feel relates to them and their story. So find some people throughout the organization that can be flag carriers. Another one is awareness. So most insurance or benefits or whatever have some degree of mental health care in them. And if they don't, there's some that you can find that are relatively easy to uh to, to bring on at relatively low cost. There's some app subscriptions and whatnot that you can do. Uh, so make people aware of what's available. And then the third part is access. And access means if somebody needs a mental health day, if somebody says, hey, I've got to go to a therapist appointment or just doesn't know what the first step is and comes to you as a manager and says, what do I do? Then you're equipped to answer the question and point them in the right direction. So it's the culture and finding those people. It's awareness of the resources available and accessibility, meaning that you're allowing them to actually pursue mm. uh, a mental health course. It means a ton. And we saw tons of, uh, of impact from that uh, in both my last two places. It really matters. I have one more question for you. And it's, I'm going to go back a little bit because I was surprised by something that you said. I see you and in my experience of us working together, which for those of you who are listeners, it's probably worked together for years at this point, right? I see you as an agent of change. So it was extremely surprising for me for you to say that change brought you anxiety. Well, uh, yes. There's two types of change. Though. There's change that you have control over. There's change you don't have control over. And understanding over the last six months what created anxiety for me in my whole life and what led to some of my real serious mental health issues in the consulting job, I have greater empathy and wish I could go back and do a few things differently in my executive role where I push so much change in the organization. I can't be the only person out there that doesn't like change. 
and we did nothing but change <laughs> for three years. I underestimated that, and it's a that's a that's a my bad. Now that said, it doesn't mean that change is bad altogether. If you bring people along and if you help them understand why it's happening and show that you're there to support them and, and you communicate with them, and you don't leave someone in a dark room and say wait for further instructions. You know, that can help. There, there are some situations where you're just going to have to change. And that was the situation we had at Blumen. But yeah, I think I'm going to be a more empathetic leader in the future, having done this self-examination. That's really, I mean, that really mature of you to realize, but also really not, there's not a whole lot of things mature about me. So, uh, <laughs> Peter, I appreciate your, uh, your statement. Wow. This, I must say, is very different than the rest of our episodes that we've had, but I would argue one of the most important ones we've had. So thank you for that. Secondly, I do want to get us into our final rounds of questions that we ask every guest. Before we do Bring so, it. how do you want people to reach out to you if you want to be reached out to? There are, there's a variety of ways. Carrier pigeon. The old, there, there's the old LinkedIn. <laughs> there's, uh, there's the owl. Oh, the owl. Yeah, if you have one of those Harry Potter owls, you can do that. I'm pretty open about these things. So uh, I have an email address that's very hard to remember. Michael Stutz (laughs) at Gmail. M-I-C-H-A-E-L-S-T-U-T-T-S at Gmail. There is a dot com uh, after the Gmail, everybody. So, you know. We'll put it in the show. I'll get one of those rare (laughs) gmail.net. Gmail.org. Guys. Dot org. Yeah, I, I'm I, classic gmail.com, michaelsets at gmail.com. Happy to talk. We'll uh, link it in the show notes, of course. So in the lightning round, we ask a question. You answer with one word. Oh, look, you can't see this, but he's wearing a hat and has a lightning bolt on it. Visa Tampa like, Bay Lightning. Yeah, Tampa Bay. Really good baseball team. That's tough, Peter. Look, that's, you, that's tough. This ain't going to help, but well, is it not baseball? Is that not what it is? More, more of a hockey team than okay. a baseball team. You can, you can but, tell yeah, Peter and I cool. aren't, aren't very uh, sports. We're the only one the Stanley Cup two times in a row. It's fine. Oh, that holy cow. Hurting. Hey, that's pretty good. I guess that's like the Oscars of the ice world. I love how you compare yes. it to the Oscars. You don't even use another sports now. No, I go just, straight to I arts and culture. <laughs> yeah. It's the Tonys of... Hockey, yeah, <laughs> that is. Oh, it's even like the less watched arts uh, award yeah. show. That's cool. <gasps> okay, I was waiting for some lightning. Let's go. Yeah, here we go. We're going. <laughs> One word answers only. We may hold it to you, or we may not. Okay, I'll go first. The most important aspect of mental health in the workplace is empathy. Empathy. Excellent. Yeah. One new habit you've picked up that has proven to be really impactful for you since you've went on break? Being kind to myself. I'm sorry, that's not one word. How about kindness? And I'm going to have to explain That's okay. It. It, a phrase. Okay, well, sorry, okay. But I'm, I'm a terrible rule follower. Kindness, which sounds like I'm not a kind person before that, but let me be specific. Kindness to yourself. Uh, most of us are our own worst critics, but yet we speak to friends with um, logic, sound thinking, and empathy. So, Someone like me who struggles with some shame and guilt from things I did in the past or things I did 10 minutes ago, uh, speak to yourself as you'd tell a friend, hey, it's not a big deal. People make mistakes. Things just, just, just be nice to yourself. 
And finally, not a good rule follower, but great answer. You said one word and I gave you 50. That's like 50 times the, oh. the value. <laughs> That's right. Finally, Michael Stutz in the year 2023 is. That's a good one, Tony. Happy. Oh, I was Boom. hoping you'd say that, Stutz. Yes. <laughs> okay, last question. We ask all of our guests this. Uh, don't feel like you have to answer with one word. All right. What is uh, what non-digital object or thing that you own or possess means the most to you or has impacted your life the most and why? The Bible. I'm not shy about it. It's something I've gotten to know a lot better uh, lately. And it's been something that's been a, a big, um, a big influence and impact on me. Now I'm cheating a little bit because I do read it on a digital device, but I've also got you know a physical one back there. It's so. fair, you know. It's fair. Yeah. I think we'll let it slide. Okay, we'll let it slide. All right, cool. Your uh, transparency and candid nature is inspiring. I will tell you that, and also your journey is one that also has personally inspired me. And I can't wait to hang out and riff on some stuff in the future. Thanks for coming on, Spe- man. Speaking of, speaking of riffing and non-digital things, uh, the guitar that's sitting right next to me it would, be, would be another answer. I, I've always wanted to learn guitar, and I've taken this time to take lessons and practice. And um, I recommend that anybody who's looking for some way to clear their mind and find some sense of accomplishment, pick up an instrument. This thing is, this thing is doing great things for me. And we'll riff, we'll jam. Everybody get an instrument. We're just going to create a, like right. a jug band when I come down to Dallas. I used to have a cajon, which is a little box you sit on. It's like a drum, hand drum, and you sit on it. It's called. A oh, cajon. yeah, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, because I do it's play dope. the drums, but I haven't had a set in a while. Anyways, 11 years of a piano, band. but don't ask me to play it. 11 years? Oh, 11 years. I'm going to ask you to play it. That's That's... You just told me not to. It's like, don't think about elephants. All right, Peter. Yeah, I took three years of Chinese, and the only thing I can ask you is where the bathroom is. So, well, it's important. You know, important. <laughs> yeah. It, it is an important, important question, but like hardly good cognition there. Peter. I don't know. We're going to end this episode. It's been so great with you, Piano Man, Stutz, Guitar, Me Drums. You have to say what our band name is, and then we're done. There you go. That was a little C chord for you. Oh, man. I mean, that's a challenging... Um, Look, we can iterate later. We just need an answer. New generation. Okay. Well... It's like, nah, you we'll know what? Talk about it's a that. little too boy band. Okay, hold on. That, yeah, that, that's... Okay, Concrete Garden. Okay. That sounds like a, like a 1994 grunge band. Grunge, I just got all <laughs> 90s grunge band. Like, I uh, either go between, it, like, 90s Christian rock and 90s grunge band names. Okay. All right, Concrete Garden, and uh, hopefully... It's really bad. I'm not the uh, creative one. Tony, this is your job in this equation. Well, that's I have what at least makes five it chords to bring to the table. Okay, we're going to do it. Get ready <laughs> for our next There's show one. at the uh, Galleria Free Stage um, in Dallas. Bathroom. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Stutz. All right, thank you, gentlemen. That's it. That's a wrap. That's a wrap.